Hi, this is Chuck Wright, and you're listening to Iron City Rocks. Hi, this is Phil Cummings from Death Hunter and Man Rays. You're listening to Iron City Rocks. Hey, it's Tommy Thayer from Kiss, and you're listening to Iron City Rocks right now. Hey, this is Vivian Campbell, and you're listening to Iron City Rocks. Welcome once again to episode 205 of the Iron City Rocks podcast. I am your host, John, coming to you from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, bringing you the best hard rock, heavy metal, blues, and rock talk on the internet. Episode 205, we have joining us a guitarist who needs no introduction. The man has played with Dio, the man has played with Whitesnake in Whitesnake's Prime, many would argue, and the man has played with Def Leppard for the better part of, wow, 20 years, Vivian Campbell. Vivian uh, recently diagnosed with uh, cancer. Uh, this interview was actually conducted about two days at the most prior to that uh, public announcement. So unfortunately, uh, I was not aware, um, didn't really get to ask him anything about that. But uh, we do want to extend our thoughts, prayers to Vivian uh, and his uh, well-being and his fight uh, with cancer. Um, so what we're going to do, we're going to play a track it was recorded in 1983 at the Monsters of Rock Festival, uh, Donington Festival, actually. Uh, Rainbow in the Dark with Dio, a uh, song that he helped write. In the interview we're going to do, uh, he talks about a uh, project they're doing called Last in Line, uh, which is essentially that band that did Holy Diver and Last in Line. Uh, obviously, mine is Ronnie James Dio, but they're doing some shows in Europe this summer. Uh, as many in the United States know, we see the Dio Disciples quite a bit, who uh, are some members who were in Dio's band in, in subsequent uh, iterations. Obviously, Dio's band was pretty fluid with members, but Craig Goldie, uh, for example, um, Simon Wright, uh, you know, some members like that. We had Ripper Owens on from the Dio Disciples. Fantastic band uh, as well, uh, but it is good to see that uh, Vivian is back uh, playing with some of his mates from the Dio years. Uh, kind of getting that guitar itch as he talks about in the interview. Also, we talk a little bit about what's going on in the world of Def Leppard, uh, who have just finished their residency at uh, one of the hotels out in Las Vegas. They're doing some shows this summer, so uh, we look for some new stuff from Def Leppard, hopefully on the horizon. It'll be great to hear some rock music from them. So, without this further ado, Rainbow, Rainbow in the, the Dark, Dark from Dio featuring Vivian Campbell. Free and I see that it's me who's lost and never 
Ladies and gentlemen, joining us from Last in Line and Def Leppard, we have Vivian Campbell on the phone. How are you doing, Vivian? I am splendidly well, thank you. Hey, um, looking back in 30 years since uh, you kind of made your debut with Holy Diver with uh, with Dio, and uh, you're putting a project together now. I know you're in rehearsals for a string of UK uh, base dates uh, with the band you're, you're dubbing Last in Line, which is essentially all of the you know kind of the classic Dio lineup. Um, and you have on vocals Andrew joining you on vocals. Um, do you want to talk a little bit about what kind of got you into the idea of doing this project? Um, it was a long time coming. You know, it's it's been 30 years since Holy Diver, as you mentioned. Um, we didn't part on good terms, Ronnie and I. You know, mm-hmm. um, and there was a lot of a lot of mudslinging went on in the years afterwards and, and to be honest I didn't even listen to these records for nearly 30 years um, I was very hurt by what had happened mm-hmm. um, I was fired from the band and then it was portrayed that, that I had left the band and that I wanted to leave and I turned my back on the music and um, I, I did say some very mean things about it you know I, mm-hmm. but I was coming from a place of hurt I mean it just I was so incredulous about what had happened sure um, and I just kind of moved on with my life. I didn't want anything to do with it. Um, you know, I've been with Def Leppard for 21 years now, and that's been fantastic. Love playing with Leppard. Love the guys in the band. We're a really tight unit. Um, but then something happened in 2011. I got a call from Scott Gorham from Thin Lizzy asking me to stand in on a Thin Lizzy tour, which I did. We did a bunch of European and some East Coast American dates. It had to be and Thin Lizzy were such such an influential band for me as a guitar player. As, as a teenager growing up, I knew so many Thin Lizzy songs. That that was kind of my go-to band because of the guitar players and because of the riffs and the very nature of the band. And uh, So to be on stage playing with Scott Gorham and Brian Downey, playing the songs that had influenced and shaped me as a young guitar player, really kind of helped me reconnect with my passion for the guitar again. Mm-hmm. Um you know, what I play in Def Leppard is very, very challenging, but it's not so challenging to me as a soloist, as a guitar player. It's about the songs and the structure and the vocals in particular. Yeah. And, you know, my 21 years with Leppard have made me a reasonable singer, which I never was before. Um, but, you know, I don't get to exercise that guitar muscle as much, and here I was on stage playing Black Rose and stuff like that, yeah. you know, really exercising the guitar muscle, and it really, you know, got me thinking about, I, uh, this is this is my passion, this is what I do best, you know. So as soon as I got back from that tour, I called Vinny Apathy, yeah. and uh, I said, you got a number for Jimmy, let's get together and let's call Claude and let's go to a rehearsal room and play this stuff again, and, and they were all very enthusiastic to do it. So we went in there, and on that very first day, we'd been playing for a couple hours, and it was just, it was so instantaneous. I mean, we could have done a gig that night, except we didn't have a singer. And uh, then he said, well, I got this guy, Andrew Freeman. He says, you know, Andy uh, was with Lynch Mob for a while, and he mm-hmm. says he's a really, really great singer. It doesn't sound anything like Ronnie, but he's got real strength to his voice and similar kind of passion. And uh, he lives nearby, so... Then he gets on the phone, he calls Andy, Andy stops right by, so right there and then that very first day, we've been playing a couple hours and Andy walks into the rehearsal room, puts up his iPad with lyrics so he can read them and just starts singing the shit out of this stuff and it sounded so great 
and I was getting goosebumps, and and I was getting my guitar yayas out again, yeah. you know. And so we just we didn't intend it at that stage. I mean, it was just kind of a spontaneous thing. And then you know we said, well, let's let's take this a stage further, you know. Um, I think we all kind of myself and Jimmy and Vinny in particular, you know, we were there at the very very start, mm-hmm. and and we we kind of feel that there's some unfinished business, you know. We we we. We lay ownership of this stuff. We wrote these songs, sure. you know, and we kind of got marginalized, I think, by the the Ronnie and Wendy deal machine, you know. <laughs> so yeah. We uh, we we feel that we have as much a right to play this stuff, and certainly more right to it than 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 other bands who are going out there and done it, you know. So um, it's it's a passion, it's a labor of love, you know, and and it's certainly not a, a something that's that's financially incentivized, you know. Yeah, yeah, I think I, you can look at the lineup of, of the band and, and realize quite quickly that this isn't a financial thing. Um, have you had chance to witness, you know, what is going around? I know at least the United States of Dio Disciples. Have you had chance to see them play at all? To see who play? The Dio Disciples, as they're calling themselves. Oh, no, no. I, um, I, I've seen a couple of YouTube videos of Dio Disciples. I haven't seen them live. Okay. So you know they're all fine players in their own right, but the fact is none of those guys wrote or recorded the original records. Sure. Um, certainly not the records that are considered the crown jewels of the catalog. You know, which are the first two in particular. Yeah. So um, you know, um, there 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 are records. They, they those records belong to Jimmy, Ben, Vinny Appice, and myself. Sure. As much as anyone else, as, mu- as much as they did to Ronnie, you know. So no one's going to play them better than us. Sure. Now, you guys are doing, just as I mentioned earlier, a handful of dates. Uh, it, you, I know, obviously, you've got a, a full-time job, which keeps you quite busy uh, in Def Leppard, but are, there, are you guys kind of toying the idea of maybe taking the show on the road, you know, maybe even stateside at some point? Well, we are going to more than likely do a, at least a couple of warm-up shows on the west coast of America before we head okay. to England. Um, it is our intention to do more dates, yes going into the future i mean as you said yeah we we do have other other commitments um i happen to be able to, to roll this out this year just because def leppard isn't terribly busy we have a month's worth of shows mostly in europe right um but that's it for for this year for us so um but yes moving forward into the fall and into next year we there will be more last in line dates and and i would assume america would be the, the major target sure um, you, you mentioned playing with, with um, the guys in Thin Lizzy. Um, you're kind of, I guess, known pretty pretty worldwide as one of the foremost Thin Lizzy authorities. Um, have you had a chance to check out the, the Black Star Riders debut album and any thoughts on that in particular? I have. I, I, I love it. I think it's fantastic. It, it's, it's the greatest Thin Lizzy record that Thin Lizzy never recorded. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds so Thin Lizzy. Um, when I even heard the demos, um, last summer, Ricky Warwick sent me some demos for it, yeah. and uh, it was it was unbelievable. I said, "This is this is Thin Lizzy. These are Thin Lizzy esque riffs, and and even the way that Ricky is singing, he's he's really kind of drawn into the role mm-hmm. of of, uh, of of having that that Phil Lynott style of delivery, mm-hmm. you know, and his lyrics are, are Lynott esque too. So, and at this stage though, when they when they were 
cutting the demos, they were still intending to make this record of Thin Lizzy. Yeah. You know, and it was only in, in months after that that they decided to go with Black Star Writers for various reasons. Yeah. But it's uh, it's it's a great record, it really is. Yeah, it was a very classy move, I think, to, you know, I mean, not go for the obvious branding of Thin Lizzy, although, you know, I don't think anyone would doubt the validity of it being Thin Lizzy. Um, it's still a classy move, nonetheless. Um, you mentioned uh, with Def Leppard, I, I believe I just saw on Def Leppard's website, it's hard to believe it's been 20 years since you guys did that kind of monumental show in Sheffield. Does it seem like it's been 21 years? Um, yes and no. You know, when you sit and think about it, yeah, obviously it's been 20 years, but it, it, um, we've done a lot of shows since, you know. Yeah. Um, it, it, it was a big day. I mean, yeah, it, it was a big day for all of us. All our families were there, our parents and whatnot, and, you know. Um, even though I'm not from Sheffield, it's not my hometown, but, but it was very, very special for the band, That's undoubtedly, nice. you know, to go back home and, and play a stadium show. And it was a beautiful day. The weather even cooperated, which is, Highly unusual for the UK. Yeah. You know, but it was a great day all around. Absolutely. Now, um, with Def Leppard, uh, are, are do you guys kind of write individually and then, you know, set up some time in the, in the future to, you know, kind of convene the songwriting ideas or do you utilize the internet to bounce song ideas off or how does that process work? We, um, you know, we, we, we are scattered geographically as to where we live, you know, uh, three of us live in Southern California and two live in Europe. Um, so it is difficult. In the past, we've um, we've done it all sorts of ways. We've we've gone to Dublin. Uh, Joe has a full studio at his house in Dublin, and he has a lot of spare bedrooms. So it's economically been more convenient for us in the past to go to Dublin and just set up camp for months and months and try and write songs there. Um, we haven't done that in recent years, though, um, with the advent of of the you know the development of the internet and and Pro Tools technology. We all have little home studios, and we do share files. You know, we'll we'll come up with ideas and, and send them to each other. Um, more so than ideas. So usually, what we do is individually, we will we'll actually write complete songs and send them on to the other guys. And um, when we get together, we usually start to tear the songs apart. Mm-hmm. Uh, it can be a frustrating experience writing with Def Leppard because there's always this inclination to want to reinvent the wheel. Yeah, you, know, you could someone could weigh in with a with a very reasonable completed song, and it can get torn apart, you know, and twenty percent yeah. of it can end up being in the final product. Um, it's it really always, you know, whatever whatever suits the 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 needs of the day, you know. We, yeah, we were in Vegas recently for a residency in in March April. Mm-hmm. We did uh, almost four weeks of shows at the Hard Rock Hotel in Vegas, and and we had a chance to sit down and and work on a couple of new ideas there when we're all together for the first yeah. time. Yeah. It's been a while since we've done that. Yeah, it would be interesting to, to, to hear some new material. I've observed a couple of new tracks on Mirrorball, which, which were fantastic. We're, we're, we're long, long overdue for new material with Def Leppard. I mean, I, we're all painfully aware of that, you know. Yeah. Um, it's it's just kind of embarrassing. <laughs> we, we need to come up with something new. Yeah, it's it's a tough call. I mean, obviously the state of the music industry, um, you know, making new records um, isn't always the most fiscally sound decision, and, and touring makes a lot of sense, you know. So it, it's, you know, you're not well, alone. Well, it, it's not even it's not even it's not even um, monetarily motivated. You know, it's mm. it, yeah, it, it's it's difficult to make money selling records nowadays, but it's 
just because of the way things are, it, it's hard to get your new music to people's ears. Yeah. So that when you do go out and you do a show and you're playing Rock of Ages and Photograph and Pour Some Sugar on Me, and then between all of that you're playing a new song that, that 30 people in the audience have heard, you know, yeah. I mean, it, there's obviously going to be a real lull in the energy because no one's aware of a song, whereas in, in years gone by, at least you had the support of terrestrial radio or MTV or whatever, so you had a chance right. in advance to get that music to people's ears. You know, the, that structure doesn't really exist anymore, so it, it's hard to to achieve that kind of momentum with new music. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, Def Leppard comes out with a new album. I mean, let's say a new album of... 12, 13 new studio songs, you're going to have a small percentage of that audience who's going to dive into that album. But, you know, by and large, you're right, people come to hear the hits, you know. I think Paul Stanley has said that many times. It's a great song to play Love Gun. Um, so it is, it is tough. But, um, you know, I think you guys still have a lot of a lot of great music in you. Um, one question I, I had for you, you know, is kind of is your career. You've had, you've worked with some phenomenal vocalists. You've worked with Lou Graham, David Coverdale, Dio, obviously, Joe Elliott, but, but in joining Def Leppard, uh, at least in my recollection of your career, was probably got to be the most challenging as far as background vocals uh, go. Was there anything in particular you did to kind of work on your voice? Well, I the the thing is that uh, uh, not many people would know this about me, but I actually even back in Dio days I wanted to sing, mm-hmm. but Ronnie wouldn't let me. Uh-huh. Um, I'm not not saying that I could sing back then. I mean, I, I was very very unschooled. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not a natural singer. Um, some people are born and they can just sing the phone book. And I think yeah. Lou Graham is one of them. Ronnie Dio was one of them. Um, you know, and other people they learn how to do it. It's a craft. So, but back in the day, when it, not that we had many backing vocals, but in Dio, I kind of wanted to go up there to the mic and sing a bit. And Ronnie said no. Yeah. He specifically said to me, he says, Richie Blackmore never sang, Tony Iommi never sang, so yeah. you're not going to sing, the guitar heroes don't sing, and a story, and that was it. So I, I put my head down and went, okay. <laughs> um, but then, actually, by the time I was in Whitesnake, I had started taking vocal lessons, and I really, really wanted to learn how to sing. Okay. Um, and, and i got to admit that David Coverdale, um was was very supportive with me about this, and he actually hooked me up with with his vocal coach at the time. And through the years, I've worked probably with about a half dozen different vocal coaches. Okay. Um, the most prominent being a guy called Roger Love, and uh, and it worked for me. I've actually gotten to be pretty reasonable as a singer. And and I and by the time I got together with Def Leppard, I was pretty far along. Mm-hmm. In this ambition, and uh, I think that was very surprising to the guys in Leopard, and uh, it, it's been something that I've developed even further since, and and it's something that we we in Leopard we work on very very diligently, and we're very proud of our ability to do that because a lot of people actually think that we're miming that the vocals yeah. are on a hard drive, which is absolutely untrue. I mean, it's a hundred percent live. Um, and it's kind of a backhanded compliment when somebody comes up to you and asks you that, you know? Yeah. So, so it's it's obviously there's there's a kajillion vocal tracks on a record like Hysteria, and, mm-hmm. and we've got to try and replicate that live with five guys. So, and you know, we do a pretty reasonable job, I gotta say, but it's um, it's the result of a lot of hard work. That's you know? Cool. Yeah, I know. And talking to Phil uh, about a year ago, he referred to you guys as the Hard Rock Beach Boys. Um, you know, and it's a, it's a lot to live yeah. up to. Mutt set the bar pretty high with those recordings. Um, 
You mentioned, uh, you know, that your experience with David Coverdale. Um, just one last question: Did you did you have any inkling that that 1987 was going to blow up as big as it did for White Snake when you kind of signed on for that? I absolutely. The first time I heard that record, I knew it was going to be massive. Yeah, um, I was um, I was back in Ireland at the time at my parents' house visiting, and basically that whole lineup in White Snake was put together by John Kladner. The okay. NR guy for Geffen. Yeah. And um, so I, I'd met John a few times, and uh, he he had tracked down my number and, and called me at my parents' house and um, asked me if I was interested in this. So um, I said, sure, go ahead and send me the record. So he sent me over an advanced copy of the album. And like I said, as soon as I heard it, it, it just sounded of the time. I just mm-hmm. knew it was going to be massive. So I called John right back. I said, this is going to be great. And then, and the guitar playing, I mean, John Sykes had written um, the songs with, with, with Coverdale and mm-hmm. played on the record. And, and John is a smoking guitar player and, and very much um, from, the, from the same vein as myself. He, he and I both were very, very influenced by Gary Moore. Yeah. And yeah. Um, although I'll, I'll give John kudos that he's technically a better guitar player than I am. He does it even better. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody rips off Gary even better than John. So and so it was right on my street as a guitar player, you know. Um, so I called John Kalatner back and said, "Yes, I'm in, absolutely." So we we I went back to L.A. and we met um, actually on the set of the Still of the Night video. Oh, cool. Um, which was kind of a problem for the band because we, we'd been brought in after the recording of the record, yeah. and the first thing we did was image driven, and that yeah. kind of set the bar for what the band was like was like live. I mean, we weren't. Uh, terribly cohesive musically yeah. um, we didn't spend a lot of time rehearsing mm-hmm. it was all kind of rushed there wasn't a lot of budget to begin with yeah. um, and it just it, we went on the road I mean it all happened within a few weeks you know and we went on the road and it was massive yeah, it certainly was. I have to admit that was actually my first live performance I caught was you in in Pittsburgh doing that show, and, and uh, you know by the time we got to Pittsburgh, it seemed pretty good. So my hats off to you. Yeah, Vivian, good job. I'm glad we got it done. Vivian, I want to thank you so much for your time uh, again. Last in line, uh, you guys have a Facebook page. It's uh, facebook.com forward slash Last in Line Rocks. Uh, you can check that out there, and we'll keep an eye out for some U.S. dates. Thank you so much. Thank you. My pleasure. I want you to want me. Get ready for a musical institution. Promo West North Shore and Coors Light present Cheap Trick. August 21st, 6.30 p.m. Stage AE Outdoors. An unbelievable night filled with all the hits. Tickets are on sale now at all Ticketmaster locations. Brought to you by Promo West North Shore and Coors Light. Produced by Promo West North Shore. All right, again, a big thanks to Vivian Campbell coming on the show. Uh, Vivian uh, was actually guitarist of my first concert at the 1987 kind of epic White Snake tour. Uh, Vivian was on that show with Adrian Vandenberg and Rudy Sarzo and Tommy Aldridge and uh, David Coverdale. So it was really cool to get to talk to. A guy I've had a lot of respect. I've seen him with Def Leppard before. Unfortunately, it's a little too uh, young at the time to catch him with Dio, but certainly enjoy the music, so it was cool to talk to him. And again, we wish him all the best in his recovery uh, in fighting that terrible disease of cancer. All right, now we're going to turn our attention to Chuck Wright. Chuck Wright, a name uh, probably most synonymous with Queensryche. He was a 
bassist uh, did some of the bass work, including Metal Health, uh, Bang Your Head, Metal Health, I should say. Uh, played on some of the tracks on their Metal Health album. Has uh, been in and out of Quiet Riot uh, several times over the years. He is in Quiet Riot currently, um, doing uh, the shows with Frankie Benelli and Alex Grossi. Uh and he has also been a member of House of Lords. Uh, is in a new project called Heaven and Earth. Uh, we are going to play a track uh, here for you in just a second. This is a song called No Money, No Love, uh, and we're going to talk to Chuck about the great new album.
you, you played on the Impelitera record, didn't you? The, I the did. I actually, uh, yeah, when I left Quiet Riot um, after Kevin was ousted out of the band, I I decided to uh, move on because I just didn't see yeah. that the way the situation was going with the management label and, the, mm. and, and Tortino and the band was, you know, was going to work out. I didn't think anyway at that point, but um, although they did make a really great record, I, uh, I you know, met with Chris and and he asked me to play on this record and and uh, and then during that period of time, um, Greg Jeffrey got a hold of me. Yeah. Um, after I did the uh, Impelitary record and, and uh, said he had a deal with Simmons if we could put together a stellar band, you know, mm-hmm. kick-ass band. So, um. So I did that because you know Chris from Pelletary, it's his, it's a solo thing. Yeah, it was House of Lords was was uh, supposed to be a band thing. Sure. Did did, did yeah. you guys do any touring with the Impelletary record? Um, I actually never did. I never did. No. Okay. Um, I, I, the most I did was after the record was dead, we did a couple rehearsals and we kept having different drummers like um, you know Pat Torkey yeah. was the drummer, but then he he started doing the Mister Big thing, and then um, uh, we got Stet Howland. And then at that point, that's when I I uh, left to do uh, House of Lords. Yeah. Now House of Lords. I mean, you guys was that a, was that a band that you just kind of put together as as a result of of the Simmons you know offer, or how did that kind of come together? Yeah, actually, well, you know, I already had a history with Greg with Jafria, mm-hmm. um, and uh, you know, he just called me up and he said, hey, you know, like I said earlier, if, if we put together. A kick-ass band. I have a deal, you know, with with Gene. He's got a custom label deal with RCA, which was unfortunate. It wasn't somebody else because RCA was basically a country record yeah. company at the time. You know, they didn't know how to break a rock record to save their life, really. But um, and I still truly believe that if that first House of Lords record, or actually any of them, the first two or whatever, would yeah, have been, yeah, yeah, if that would have been on Geffen at the time, a label that really had a, the rock promotion people and, and they had other acts that we could team up with and they just had a lot going on for, for the kind of music we were doing and uh, RCA didn't have anything really. Yeah, it would have know. been would have been awesome. They had, Bruce, they had Bruce Hornsby. Yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah, and, but, yeah, and it was disappointing in that regard because uh, they, you, I see things, I mean here's a good example. This kind of sums it up. We're at the uh, American Music Awards, the Band House Awards mm-hmm. and I run into the head of publicity of, of RCA, and I, she goes, hey, what's going on? I go, what do you mean what's going on? She goes, well, what are you guys up to? And I go, we're leaving on tour in two days. It's a sold-out tour with, with Nelson. And she goes, oh, really? That's great. <laughs> this is no the head of publicity at the label. She didn't even know we were going on tour, and then it was like this big deal. To, you know, so that right then I saw, I go, oh, boy. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's frustrating. Yeah, yeah unfortunately, I think House of Lords is... is probably one of those fans that if you guys had put out that album, you know, on the right label even two years earlier, probably would have been a yeah. big help as well. I mean, Yeah, I think that would have... That, well, still the timing, was, that album came out wasn't too late in the, in the right. uh, 80s things was still kind of popular. Um, it's just... Uh, it's just it had a lot, a lot to do with a lot of different things. Mm-hmm. But, you know, um, you know, even with Simmons behind us and all that, you still... If you don't have the right infrastructure to work that the particular type of product you're doing, it's not going to help. Yeah. So, um, but you know, we we did tour and and it was a great band live and uh, 
we actually reunited um, in 2005, at the end of 2005, without Greg because he stopped playing. Sure. And did a couple. We did a couple uh, headline a couple festivals in Europe, and recorded it and put out a live record, um, which sounds great. I think it came out really great. Yeah, that was the one from the UK. I believe it was. Yeah, it's called Live in the UK. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Now, um, maybe you could just kind of unravel one one kind of mystery. I think that that is kind of surrounded your name and Quiet Ride. Is is what was your involvement on the Metal Health record specifically? Well. Um, the way that it all happened, um, when the original Quiet Riot was, was Rudy and, and uh, Randy Rhodes mm-hmm. were in the band and uh, with Kevin. And uh, when Randy joined Ozzy, he asked Rudy to change the, you know, to use the Quiet Riot moniker. He just called it Dubro, and, and I was in that with Frankie Benelli. He got Frankie okay. to play drums. And then we had a guitar player from my band at the time. Um, we I had a really popular band in L.A. at the time called Satyr, S-A-T-Y-R. Okay. And um, they were using my guitar player. And then he didn't work out. He kind of had a temper problem. And um, I suggested we get Carlos uh, from the band Snow. Okay. And then once we got Carlos, um, we, you know, we were playing. We were basically turned down by everybody, all the labels. Because, you know, the kind of music we were doing, heavy metal, hard rock was not in at all. It was all about new wave bands like the Knack and the Motels and that kind of blondie um, back then. So um, we did this one show at the Canyon Club, or the Country Club, actually, in Reseda, and um, Spencer Proffer was there from, from Posh. He had his own label through Epic CBS, and he really liked the band a lot and, and um, took us in and we did demos and uh, basically got a record deal, and the whole thing came down, and then Randy died, and then Rudy... Wonder returns to the band, mm-hmm. and at that and at that point, I'd already recorded a lot of the record, and I sang on every track that's, that's on the Metal Health record right now, all the backgrounds. But okay. um, and at any at any rate, you know, they said, "Hey, Rudy's going to come back," and I would get called Quiet Riot. And I, at that point, you know, like I said, that style of music wasn't really in. I was a little bit bummed out that at the same time I had my own band where I wrote all the music and you know for the most part and, and ran the thing, and and so I wasn't that freaked about it, but I started <laughs> a little pumped as the records took off and blew up. Yeah. Oh, man. You know, who knew? But, uh, yeah, a lot of people think that that's Rudy on um, Bang Your Head and Metal Health, but in the credits, you know, I get credit for that and don't want to let you go as the bass player. But, you know, Rudy, Rudy, uh, you know, he did a great job, too, on the album. And, but, um, you know, Bang Your Head is me. Yeah. Which and I'm, I'm doing it now. <laughs> yeah, I was say you're back in the fold. Yeah. I mean, if you listen, to, oh, well, well, yeah, I have, I have been back in the fold off and on for the last 30 years. Honestly, uh, maybe five or six times I've been in and out, in the band, out of the band, in the band, out of the yeah. band. <laughs> you know, uh, depending on the situation. So, are you still doing but, dates with them now? Or yeah, yeah, we just actually just played in uh, Maine. And before that, we did a huge show in Vegas with Vince Neal and Warren and Night Ranger. Yeah. And we're heading out for New Hampshire, and then we're doing, yeah, we've got, I think, like 25 shows awesome. so far. You know, they keep coming in, yeah. um, you know, Need with to get the band. You. It's the same same guitar player we've had for the last almost 10 years now. You play with Alex? Picked, is it Alex? Yeah, with Alex, yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, Kevin picked him for the band, um, and, uh, you know, that's, it all came together back, back in late 2004. We went out as, I did this thing called the, 
what was it called? Monsters of not Monsters of Rock, uh, Bad Boys of Metal. Yeah. With Jane, with you know Stephen Adler, Jamie Lane, uh, Bang Tango, and uh, Kevin as just Kevin Dubrow, and Alex was a guitar player in that, and that's how we we were just we were the backline band for everybody mm-hmm. for that tour, and uh, that's how. Uh, and then Kevin got Frankie back and decided to uh, to do quite right again at that point. Yeah, which was great. It was great that they were able to. To put that back together, you know, before his untimely passing, you know, to, to yeah, get yeah, it. you know, it's 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 a brand. People know it. People know what they're going to get when they see Quiet Riot. It's a a really great, fun show, high energy. Yeah, you know, it's got to be a lot of fun. Um, now, the reason we're we're talking today, the Heaven and Earth, uh, got a new album, Dig. Uh, do you want to talk a little bit about this project, or, or, you know, band? And you know, when I listened to it, I was like, wow, this is Rainbow. You know, I, I was. Totally smitten with it the moment I heard it, but um, you know, how did this project kind of come together? Well, um, basically, I just got a call out of the blue from Stewart, um, and we've been friends for three. I actually worked on um, the first album, which basically his first two albums were more guest, you know, more like solo albums, mm-hmm. and um, I did a bunch of tracks on the uh, the first album. And he, you know, he called me and he said, hey, listen, I, I've got a, a, a label interested in doing this again, and this time it's going to be a band, and we're going to write the songs together, and, um, you know, we want to go total 70s old school, which I love. I go, yeah, that's, I, I want to do that. That's something I really want to be a part of. Yeah. And, um, and then we got together, and it's been a long time, you know, because of people's schedules, it was difficult um but uh, we spent a long time developing the material and, and, you know, keeping focused on the direction of what we wanted to do. And, you know, our mission statement basically is trying to to bring back, you know, real rock and roll in the 70s kind of genre of music and, and get people back into that music that were into it before and try to get the new, you know, awaken younger crowds to this kind of music, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I, I know when um, I, I watched the video for No Money, No Love, I was like, you know, this is just awesome. You know, it's got that sort of, like I mentioned, rainbow, you, even early White Snake kind of sound to it. And uh, yeah, but it doesn't it doesn't sound like a 1976 record, though. You know, it sounds very fresh, but very vintage at the same time, if that makes sense. Yeah, well, that was a, that was a tough uh, thing to pull off, but I thought we did a pretty good job at doing it, trying to keep it yeah. fresh. And that's why I. I mean, I call it new classic rock, yeah. which is kind of an odd term, but that's basically what it is. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's it's. it's I like to uh, equate the record. To, if you walked into the vault of like Atlantic Records back in the back in the day, and you found this album, and hey, this never came out. Let's check this out. And you put it on, and basically that's what what it sounds like. You know. Mm-hmm. Now, do you guys have plans to, to take this on the road at all, or is this one of these kind of logistical scheduling nightmare type of? Well, uh, there, there's a little bit of the scheduling situation, of course, but um, we just did a live show, um, a release party um, at the Fonda Theater. You know, it was our first show, and we filmed it. Okay. Um, and and we, we're as of I think coming out today. Um, I worked on with an editor and our creative director, Glenn Marshall, on editing. We had to take an hour show, um, and the event was just spectacular in, in itself, and, and get that down to under five minutes. Okay. So it, it basically is scissoring, so you get bits and pieces of songs, and you can really see the energy of the band and the quality of, of what we're doing. 
And uh, that'll be we're going to be put it, putting that up soon, and, and um, we're hoping that'll lead to you know opening for some major acts and getting some shows here and there. And eventually a tour when it, when we can work it out, you know. Yeah, yeah. I think you know, listening to it, you know, with a band like you know Deep Purple, as I mentioned, uh, we've got a new album out. White Snake is going to be hitting the road. I hear this music and I'm like, oh, this would really really fit well on yeah. a with a lot of bands. Yeah, I'd love to play with Life Snake. I mean, Doug Aldridge, obviously, and I have a history um, yeah. with him being in um, House of Words, and, and musically, it would be really compatible. Yeah, yeah. But the um, one, one of the things I wanted to ask you, you, you have a resume uh, of albums longer than my arm. I mean, is there something that you would say in, in your musical education, or is it is a personality thing that's allowed you to stay in the business and be so productive for this long? Well, uh, I haven't thrown in a towel. I mean, there's always ups and downs. Yeah. You know, I mean, in this business, and and it's it actually it's getting harder and harder as record stores go away and and people. I mean, for instance, the Heaven and Earth record, the next day it was released. There was already up on on you know pirate sites. Yeah. We could get it for free, so it's really hard to make you know a living doing this unless you're doing it live, as far as making records, and, and people just don't, don't seem to buy product anymore, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but what's kept me going is I just love playing. I mean, I'm, I'm in three bands right now, and, and uh, I'm always working on stuff. And I uh, just got called from a producer friend of mine to do a session. Um, you know, I just love playing, so I'm, I'm not, you know. Yeah. I'm not going anywhere. Yeah. yeah. Um, one of the things on the on the new Dig album, you guys have some some guest appearances by, you know, I guess at this point Howard would be considered a Rock and Roll Hall of Famer and Howard Lease of Heart. Uh-huh. Uh, and you worked with uh, Richie Sambora, is that correct? Yeah, actually, um, excuse me, um, hold on. You know, Richie's a friend of Stewart's and he really loved the song Man and Machine and, mm-hmm. and wanted to contribute and he, he did a signature talk box and the uh, some slide guitar and some rhythm guitar on that song. Which was smoking. I went down to the studio and watched him work, and it was awesome. Yeah, yeah very underrated. He's a very funny guy too. Yeah, he is underrated, and he's really he's a funny guy, and he's great attitude and just just very cool. Mm-hmm. Smoking player. Yeah, yeah, actually, his solo material is is off the charts. It's fantastic, soulful playing, and a hell of a singer. You know, it's almost unfair to have that much talent. Oh yeah, as a singer too. Yeah, I guess we just actually saw him do his solo thing, and it was phenomenal. Yeah, he's, he's very soulful, very bluesy, which I love. You know, mm-hmm. no, not uh, so pop. <laughs> yeah, well, he has a day job for that. Well, had well, I don't know if he does. Yeah, whatever, whatever the situation in that is. Yeah, I, mean, what, I don't know if he still does. We'll see. Yeah, I, I just can't take the, the the thought of that band without him. I, I don't know; it loses me. You know, it just well, doesn't, yeah. doesn't feel right. Well, it's kind of like with Steve Tyler without Joe Perry. You know, yeah. It's kind of the same thing. It just doesn't have the same whatever vibe. I remember Aerosmith without Joe Perry was just not the same, you know. Yeah, yeah. i got to give Jimmy Crespo uh, uh, hats off for trying, but no, it wasn't the same. Yeah, Jimmy's great. I actually played with Jimmy briefly, but, and he's great, but it's just there's a certain chemistry certain people have together yeah. that uh, you just can't replace it, yeah. you know. I remember Jimmy with um, Billy Squire, and it was great. But 
Yeah, Jimmy sure. with Aerosmith. I'm not. I'm not taking anything away from his playing, but it's just not the same. Um, yeah. No. So what's what's the uh, summer got for you? You mentioned some dates with Quiet Riot. Um, anything else pressing going on this summer for you? Um, I'm, you know, I, I have a, a, re- a band I love so much called Acoustic Saints with Stan okay. Bush, um, here in LA, which is, um, an acoustic, you know, we have violin and mandolin and, and a percussionist, uh, that played with Jose Feliciano for 10 years and really be bucking him. And I play locally with them a lot and I just love doing that. So I'm always working with them when I'm in town and, um, you know, doing the quiet ride shows and working on getting some things happening for, um, Heaven and Earth, you know, on a live thing, and you know, we have a new video coming out. Um, quality is the first one, but a different. We're going more after the female demographic on this one. Yeah, or the last one I get, you know, it's the yeah. one for those who haven't seen you know, the, you know, the new uh, love, no love, no money. If you have a chance to catch, I don't know that the female demographic was what you were going with that one, but it was a pretty good video nonetheless. Yeah, it was it was a it was neat to see because it, it reminded me a lot of the videos you'd see in the in the you know late eighties early nineties. Well, well, exactly, and that's people really aren't making especially rock bands, I should say, aren't really making videos of that 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 kind anymore. That kind of right. production value. Yeah, it was um, really- and you know, and the next one is a ballad. Uh, I don't know what love is the name of the song, and and uh, it's a really beautiful piece. And I can't wait to see myself. It should be done any day. Awesome. Well, Chuck, I want to thank you for taking the time uh, to come on the show. It's been a real pleasure talking with you, man. Nice talking to you, too. Together, an event 40 years in the making. Leonard Skinner and Bad Company. Side by side in the summer's ultimate anniversary bash. Friday, July 19th, the first Niagara Pavilion. Special guest, Blackstone Cherry. Tickets on sale now. Buy at LiveNation.com or any Ticketmaster location. Leonard Skinner and Bad Company, The 40 Tour. Have you ever listened to an album and thought to yourself, man, I could do so much better than that? Well, here's your chance. My name is Sue, and I've decided to write my next album live and online at RageAndApathy.com. So come on over, leave me a comment, and tell me what you think about the album and where you think it should go. And as a bonus for you Iron City Rockers out there, I will give you an exclusive copy of the first song as soon as I get it finished. So stop on over to RageAndApathy.com and join my madness. All right, a big thanks to Chuck Wright for coming on the show. Again, Chuck Wright, uh, been involved in a lot of great stuff, Quiet Riot. Uh, we talk about Impelitary right off the top, which uh, did a fantastic album. If you can find it, it's called Stand in Line. Um Chris Impelitari, one of the unsung guitar heroes out there, so certainly worth picking that one up if you can find it, as I said. I believe it might be on iTunes at this point, but uh, hard to find the physical CD of that one. It was on, I think, Shrapnel Records or Relativity Records way back in the late 1980s. So uh, you can check that out. And then Chuck, obviously, has worked with Quiet Riot, the House of Lords, new band Heaven and Earth, which uh, you can get that album out now. Uh, fantastic record uh, very cool as I mentioned to me it's got a real um, kind of that rainbow sound um, when Tony Carey I believe was singing for rainbow uh, kind of that sound so uh, worth checking out and again also thank you to Vivian Campbell for coming on the show we want to thank you uh, most of all though for listening ironcityrocks.com facebook.com forward slash ironcityrocks twitter.com forward slash ironcityrocks Keep up with all the stuff we have going on. We have a lot of great uh, pictorials from live shows, some album reviews going on right now. Uh, of course, we're cranking out the shows. This is a busy time of uh, summer. We're getting ready for uh, 
Mayhem Festival 2013 is just around the corner, so we'll be doing wall-to-wall coverage with that. A lot of great artists from the bill will be joining us on the show, as always. Uh, and we'll obviously have people in the uh, pits uh, out there getting us some great shots and great interviews on the day of the event. So really look forward to Mayhem every year, so stay tuned for that one. We invite any feedback, ironcityrocks at gmail.com. Also check out our sister podcast, Heavy Metal Book Club, heavymetalbookclub.com on Facebook and Twitter as well. And check out our brother's Cast Iron Ring uh, with a lot of great content. So until next time, we want to thank you and have a great day.